Okay, here we go. Okay. It says in Pasha's uh, Dvorim, Moshe Rabbeinu is giving the Jewish people Musa. He's giving them rebuke in the book of Dvorim at the beginning. And one of the things that he rebukes them about is the Moraglim, about the, the story of the spies. As we had in Pasha Shlach that uh, Hashem was not happy with the whole situation, the way it played out in the story of the spies that were sent to the land of Israel. And when the spies came back and after the whole story was over, Hashem declared that the Jewish people would no longer have, would no longer be able, at least the people that were alive at the time, would not be able to go into Eretz Israel. They would not be able to go into the land of Israel. So the Torah says, the Torah tells us that Moshe made the following declaration in Parshat Dvorim. He said, Gam bihi son of Hashem bigwalchem. Also because of me. Also me. Hashem got angry because of you. Leimogam atalosavosham. Also you will not go into the land of Israel. Okay? So, Moshe said, that in the story of the Moraglim, in the story of the Moraglim, when Hashem made the decree for the Jewish people not to go into the land of Israel, Moshe was also included. And not only was Moshe included, but Moshe says it was because of the Jewish people that he couldn't go into the land of Israel. So the obvious question on this Pasuk is, which is, makes this Pasuk extremely difficult, is, is that in our Pasha, in Pasha's Chukas, the Torah says not like that. The Torah says that the reason why Moshe could not go into the land of Israel is as follows. The Torah says that the Jewish people were complaining that there was no water. So Hashem appeared to Moshe and He said to him, Take your staff, gather around the congregation, you and I and your brother, and you shall speak to the rock. You shall speak to the rock in, the, in front of their eyes. And it will give its water the water will come out from the rock and it will provide water from, it will provide water for the Jewish people. Right? That's what he told, that's what Hashem told them. So what happened? Moshe took this staff in, from in front of God, like Hashem commanded him, and he gathered the Jewish people, him and Aaron, to the face of the rock. Everybody gathered there and he said to him, he said to them, etc., and then he raised his staff and he struck the he struck the, 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 the rock and the water came out and everybody everybody drank from the water. Everybody drank from the water. So Hashem was upset, so to speak. Hashem said to Moshe and Aaron, You have not believed in me, Yankil to sanctify my name in the eyes of the Jewish people. Therefore you, Moshe and Aaron, will not bring the Jewish people into the land of Israel. That I have given to them. So, the simple explanation, there's a dispute amongst the Rishonim as to what exactly they did wrong. But the simple explanation is, is that Hashem told them to speak to the rock, and instead of speaking to the rock, they struck the rock with their staff. And therefore, the Pasuk says explicitly they could not go into the land of Israel. Right? So the question is, how could it be that the Torah tells us 
in the Parshas Dvorim. That's the reason why Moshe could not go into the land of Israel is because he was involved with the story of the Meraglim, of the spies. No, that's not the reason why he couldn't go into the land of Israel. The reason why he couldn't go into the land of Israel is because he failed to sanctify Hashem's name in this week's Pasha. That's the question. You hear, Mark? Simple question. Okay? So, with this, this will be our, our launching pad to have the following discussion. We will, we will hopefully discuss exactly what is it that Moshe did wrong uh, in this week's Pasha for striking the, is, is speaking to the rock, not speaking to the rock and striking the rock instead. We will discuss that issue. Also, we will discuss the issue of what was Moshe Rabbeinu's involvement in the, in the, in the sin of the, in, in the, in the, uh, with the spies that the Torah is referring to in Parshas Devarim. And hopefully from that discussion we'll be able to learn a lesson for ourselves that we can apply to our ordinary lives, for to our extraordinary lives, uh, that we can, that we can apply as a lesson from this expression. Okay, so, the Ramban, Nachmanides and Parshas Devarim, deals with these questions. Okay, Ramban says as follows. The Ramban says, Behold, the sins that they have done at the time of the spies stopped them from coming into the land of Israel. As that we know clearly, right? The Torah says in Parshas Shlach, Moshe gives the rebuke to the Jewish people in Parshas Dvorim. The fact, the story of the spies stopped them from going into the land of Israel. That's for sure. That's what Moshe was telling them in Parshas Dvorim. He was saying to them that, that because you have uh, committed the sin of saying Lashon Hara about the land of Israel and believing it and getting involved in it, therefore you will not come to the land of Israel. That's one thing. So Moshe was giving them a rebuke. He was giving them Musar that this is what you have done. Furthermore, you have also added another sin that you have stopped me, Moshe said, from going to the, from going to the land of Israel. So the Ramban learns that really this, in Parshas Dvorim, there are two rebukes. There are two uh, cases of Musar. Moshe is telling them two things that they did wrong. Right? Remember, our question was, is that how is it that Moshe is, was involved in the, in the sin of the, of, the, of the spies? So the Ramban's answer is he wasn't involved in the sin of the spies. Why is Moshe telling them about the fact that he couldn't go into the land of Israel, which seems to imply that, he, that it was because of the spies? Answer is he's not. He's telling them two different things, says the Ramban. He's telling them that, first of all, they were involved, first of all, they were involved in the spies, and second of all, not only that, but because of you, I also couldn't go into the land of Israel by, in our posture, because, you be, be, because sins are ultimately the cause of everything, and because you've caused me to somehow make this mistake in our Pasha of striking the rock instead of speaking to the rock, therefore I could not go into the land of Israel. Why is Moshe picking these particular two things to give Musa for, to give rebuke for? It's because Moshe is choosing two things that the result of which were that they couldn't go to the land of Israel. Okay? That's what the Ramban... That's, that's one way, one aspect of the way that the Ramban looks at it. Okay? 
fine. What? I'm sorry, Mark. What did you say? No, 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 that's fine. I can, I can follow that. Okay, so. What? So far, so good? Yeah. So far, sense. so good. We're very technical here in the beginning. Well, hopefully, we're going to get a little more emotional. Yeah, okay. But don't cry, Marcus. Don't right. cry, Marcus. All right. Don't cry for me, Argentina. What did you say? Don't cry for me, Argentina. Okay. I don't know what that means. What? Maybe you can sing it from that. You're right. Maybe you can sing it from that. You're on tape. You're on tape. Right. Okay. So the Orachai Makadosh does not like what the Ramban says. He says, why? Because you see that the whole parsha is talking about the sin of the spies as it continues. And then you said that your children will be spoils of war. And if you look in parsha Shlach, right, that's exactly what the Jewish people said in their reaction to the spies. They said, oh, what's going to be? Our children are going to be spoils of war. Right, you see that the whole matter is talking about, the whole matter is talking about the sin of the spies. It can't be Moshe talking about the rock. It can't be talking about the, 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 the Meimah River the waters which the, the Jewish people fought with Hashem, so to speak. Right? It's impossible. That's what the, that's what the, the Orachim HaKadosh wants to say. Okay. So he says as follows. The Orachim's perspective is the one that we want to focus on this evening. The Orachim's is like this. As we mentioned, right, the Torah says in Parsha Shlach, Vayibku Ha'am Balayla. The Jewish people cried that night, when the spies came back and told them what happened with the land of Israel. So we know that the Medrash tells us, and also the Gemara in, in Masech the Sinus, uh, Tractate Tinus, page 29a says, that since they cried that evening, Hashem decided that this will be a crying for generations. Because that evening was the ninth of Av. That was Tishabav when the Beis Amigdash was destroyed. Right? We said that the Mishnah tells us in the same tract that on page 26b, I think, that that is the two, the two, but the Mikdashas were destroyed. This was the saddest day of the year because the Jewish people cried on that evening. But furthermore, the Medrash says also, right? Furthermore, furthermore, the Medrash says that if Moshe would bring the Jewish people into the land of Israel, if Moshe would bring the Jewish people into the land of Israel, then the Beis Hamikdash would never get destroyed. If Moshe would have walked in instead of Yoshua, if Moshe would have led the Jewish people, if he would have led Klai Yisrael into the land of Israel, then the Beis HaMikdash would have never been destroyed. That's what the Medrash says. Why? For two reasons. Number one is because there was no nation that would be able to fight with Moshe. Can you imagine making a war with Moshe Rabbeinu? Not possible. And furthermore... The Medrash tells us in, 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 uh, in, the, in the book of Tillim, Medrash Ochatov, tells us, or before we get to furthermore, so you hear this, Ezra, you hear the emphasis? You hear that Moshe, if Moshe would have been, if Moshe would have brought the Jewish people into the land of Israel, he would have, the base of English would have never been destroyed if he would have built it. Why do you think that that's true, Ezra? Why would you say, why is that the, why is that the fact? Why is it that if Moshe would bring the Jewish people into the land of Israel, he would, they would, they would never, the base of English would never get destroyed? Well, it says that when they, when they said that if King David built the Beth Amigdash, it wouldn't be destroyed either. So, maybe because it, it's going to be perfect from the same... Very good, Ezra. So you say very good. Because Moshe Rabbeinu was in such a high level of righteousness, he was such a tzaddik, if he would build the base of Amigdash, it would be his hands then it would never get destroyed because it would be too perfect. Okay? That's what the Orchayim HaKadosh says. You hear? Oh, 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 don't jump ahead. 
As in no jumping ahead. <laughs> That's the rule here we have. No jumping ahead. You hear that, Mark? Tell him. No, no. So now, the Medrash is like this, right? There is a Mizmor. Mizmor Ayin Tess. The chapter 79. It says, Mizmor La'osaf. Right? A song to Osaf. Right? Elohim Bo Goyim. That Goyim have come to the land of Israel and destroyed. They come to the base of English. They destroyed it. Mizmor La'osaf. Says the Medrash. Says the Medrash. It should say, uh, uh, um, what is a sad song called? A lamentation, a kina to Asaf that the Goyim went into the land of Israel. That's what it should say. Why does it say? Is that number 83? Tehillim 79. Because we just said number 83 the other night from Mrs. Ben. Oh, uh, yeah, no, it's 79. Okay. Mizmola Asaf. Right? So why does it say? Why does it say that, why does it say that it was a song? A song connotes happiness. Right? A happy song. You should say a lamentation to Asaf. That the, that the Goyim went into the land of Israel, destroyed the Beis Hamikdash. Why does it say that it's a song? Yeah. So the reason for this is like this. It's like the, the Medr says this and the Gemara says this in Kedushin Tractate Kedushin, page thirty-one B. Or actually, it starts in the bottom of page thirty-one A. The, the Gemara here tells us. The Gemara here tells us about the stories of it brings uh, quotes stories to illustrate how much a person has to honor their parents. So the Gemara here tells us that Ravimi told us, uh, Ravimi taught, Ravimi was the son of Rabbi Avo. There is a person who can feed his father delicious uh, bird food, I guess, uh, what, duck. He can feed his, his, his father duck or, or uh, what are the, the good... Uh, um, Chicken. Chicken. chicken, or what are those, the little chickens, what do they call them, the Cornish, <coughs> the Cornish hen. can feed his father a Cornish hen, retordo mina olam, right? A person can feed his father Cornish hen and still do the, the worst possible thing in, in terms of honoring his father. But a person can also make his father work through the, the most laborious, the most difficult labor. And he bring bring him to the that will bring him to to the world to come. So Rashi explains why, because the person can say he can feed his father a Cornish hen or duck, and the father could say to him to his son, "Where did you get that from?" And the son can reply, "Be quiet, old man. Just eat the food." Right? Not so gishmak to say that to your father, so you can ruin the whole thing with one with one sentence. Or there's a person that can the person can make his father. Uh, uh, if, make his father work on a grinding stone and work hard, but go into Olamabo. How is that? So Rashi gives an illustration. He can be very kind to his father when he does that, or his father can be conscripted to go to war. And he can say, I'll go instead of you. You do the, the work that I do. And I'll go, to, I'll go to, to the army instead of you. And with this, you can come to Olamabo. Right? That's what the Gemara says. You can come to the world to come. So now Rabbi Abo says, Who's an exemplar? Who's an example? Who's an exemplar? Who's a, who's a good example of this type of uh, being Makai and fulfilling this type of uh, honoring one's parents? Who's such an example? Says Rabbi uh, Avo, uh, my, my son, my son is that example. Right? He's fulfilled the mitzvah of, of honoring me even though he has five children that he has to support. His five children are sitting around his table and still he honors me. Right? How is that? How is that? When Rabbi Avo, when I used to, when Rabbi Avo used to come to the door, 
and knock on the door so his son so his son uh, so his son uh, Avimi his son Avimi used to run to the door and as he was running he was saying yes yes until he got there to let his father know that he's coming to the door right one day his father Rabbi Avo asked Avimi to bring him a drink so he brought him a drink and as he brought his father the drink as Avimi brought Rabbi Avo a drink Rabbi Avo fell asleep so it says here that Avimi, Avimi stood by his father as he was sleeping until he woke up with a glass of water. So while he was standing there with a glass of water, he thought of a pshat. He was thinking and learning. He had nothing else to do. He was thinking and learning. He was holding the water for his father till he woke up and he had nothing else to do. So he was thinking and learning. What was he thinking about? He was thinking about why does it say in Tilem Ayin Tess in 79 why does it say Mizmol Asaf? Why does it say there is a song to Asaf that the Goyim went to, 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 to the land of Israel and destroyed the Beis Hamikdash? It should say limitations to Asaf. Seventy-nine. No, it's Seventy-nine. Seventy-nine. Mizmol Asaf. Mizmol Asaf. Right. So Rashi explains what is the shot that he thought of. What is the shot that he thought of? He thought of the reason why it says Mizmor is because it's the happiness of a song. Because God got angry at the Jewish people. Like Ezra saying, Ezra's shot. God, God got angry at the Jewish people. And instead of destroying them, he sent his anger onto sticks and stones, onto the temple, and destroyed the temple instead. So it's a song to us that the Goyim came and destroyed the temple. Better destroy the temple than the people. That's the shot that he thought of. And this shot appears in this man of Shachatov that the, that the Orachayim HaKadosh <coughs> Okay? So far so good? So now, says the Orachayim HaKadosh If Moshe would have gone into the land of Israel and built the Beis HaMikdash and Hashem would get angry at the Jewish people Right? What would happen? He would have to destroy them because he wouldn't be able to destroy the Beit Hamikdash. He wouldn't be able to destroy the temple because Moshe built it. So what would he have to destroy? The people. But that's what would happen. That would happen. That would happen. Moshe never went to the land of Israel. But if he did, that's what would happen. That's what would have to happen. <coughs> therefore, therefore, right? Because it's a chesed. It's good that the, that, the, that the it's good that the Beis Hamikdash got destroyed instead of the people, but Hashem wouldn't be able to do that if Moshe would have built the Beis Hamikdash, right? Yeah, like Ezra saying. Therefore, Hashem made a gezera that when He said that the spies and all the Jewish people of that generation with the spies couldn't go into the land of Israel, He also said that Moshe can't go along with them, right? Because now He because. Because he didn't want Moshe to go into the land of Israel with these people. Because if he go into the land of Israel, build the Beis Hamikdash, then Hashem would not be able to destroy the Beis Hamikdash if they would do something bad again. Therefore, he decreed at the time of the spies that, he, that Moshe can't go into the land of Israel. This is unbeknownst to us. We didn't know this when we read Parashat Shlach. But this is what happened when the decree was made on the Jewish people in Parashat Shlach after the story of the Miraglim, after the spies. 
Right? After that happened. So Moshe was included in that decree. You hear everybody here? Mark, you hear? I hear. Okay. Now, that's what it says in Parshas Dvorim. That's what it says. That Hashem also got angry at me because of you. What does it mean because of you? It doesn't mean because of you he got angry at me. But it means in, in, in because of the situation which you are in, he got angry at me and said that I can't go into the land of Israel. Because if I would go in and I would build the temple, if I would go in and I would build the temple, so what would happen? I would be able to destroy it. But now that you have sinned with the, with, with the, with the spies, you have now allowed the evil, so to speak, or the, the, the Ra, the, 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 the spirits, or the, the Yetahara, the inclination, the, to come into the air, to be in the atmosphere. So now when you go into the land of Israel, there's more of a chance that you're going to, you're going, there's going to be foul play, that you're going to slip in your service of Hashem. Therefore, I can't allow Moshe to go into the land of Israel. Because if he goes into the land of Israel, he'll build the Beis Hamikdash. And now that you're on the lower level because of the spies, if you sin, I won't be able to destroy the Beis Hamikdash because he built it. <coughs> yeah. So far, so good. It's just for the thing is that uh, when the temple was destroyed, uh, according to Tacitus, six hundred thousand Jews lost their lives. According to Josephus, one point two million lost their lives. Okay. And the point is, the, the point is that a lot of Jews lost their lives uh, when the temple was destroyed. That's true. That's true. But uh, you know, everything is relative. Everything is relative. Okay, now, you, why are you going to ask me, says the Orachim HaKadosh? Right? That it's not true. Bottom line is, after this whole elaborate, uh, flowery uh, analysis of the Parshas uh, Dvorim and, and Parshas Chukas together, we're still left with the question that our Parsha, Parshas Chukas, says explicitly that the reason why Moshe could not go into the land of Israel is because he hit the rock instead of speaking to it. Maybe ask me that question. The, the fact is that the punishment doesn't fit the crime. Oh, wait, 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 wait. You're bringing up something different now. Yeah? That, will be, that question will be answered. This is a give a chance. Yeah? So maybe you'll ask me that question. So, so the Orchai Makarosh is like this. The answer is as follows. What happened first? The sin of the spies. Because as soon as they left the land of Israel, they were automatically in the border. Uh, as soon as they left Egypt, they were in the, in, on the border of the land of Israel. Right? And they were about to go in, and what happened? They sent out the spies, the spies came back to Elijah and Ara, and Hashem decreed that they can't go into the land of Israel. Then, later on, they complained about the water, and Moshe had to sp- hit the rock instead of speaking to it. Right? And that's what happened. So the Orachim HaKadosh is like this. That by the sin of the... Of, of the let, let's, go through the, let's go through the order, and everything will become clear. Right? They left, they left Mitzrayim. They left the land of Egypt. They got to the border of Eretz Yisrael, and they wanted to go in. They sent out spies. The spies came back. The spies said Lashon Hara. They accepted the Lashon Hara. Because they accepted the Lashon Hara, they were now on a lower spiritual level. Now that they were on a lower spiritual level, they were unable to go into the land of Israel with Moshe. Because Moshe, being on a higher spiritual level, if he would have built the temple, if he would have built the temple, then the temple would have been never destroyed, and therefore they would have to be destroyed instead. Okay, now they come to the water. They come to the rock of the water. And what happens by the rock? Hashem tells him, speak to the rock. Why speak to the rock? Because I'll show you the Hashgoch HaPratis. I'll show you how I control the world. I'll show you how I provide for you everything. I can make water come out of the rock. So what happens? 
Moshe has the opportunity to speak to the rock and to bring them back to the level that they were at in terms of goodness, in terms of kiddusha, in terms of sanctity before the sin of the spies. Before the sin of the spies. Therefore, they would be on a much higher level even before the sin of the spies. And therefore, if he would sanctify their name, if he would sanctify Hashem's name in their presence, and they would be back to the level before the spies, then Moshe and they together can go into the land of Israel. And Moshe can build the temple. And there would be no chance of, this, of them sinning. Because he already sanctified God's name and brought them back to a different level of spirituality. He had that opportunity. What happened? He hit the rock instead of speaking to it. He didn't bring them back to that level of recognition of God's, uh, of God's presence in the world and the control of everything. Right? So therefore, what happened? What happened? Therefore, furthermore, now Moshe could, ne- could not, still not go into the land of Israel because of the sin of the spies. Because again, if he would build the temple and Hashem would get angry at the Jewish people, he would not be able to destroy the temple. Is that, does, that, does, that, does that answer the question? Is that clear? And that's basically what I'm saying is like this. Or this is what the Yerachai Makadosh is saying. That the reason why Moshe couldn't go into the land of Israel <coughs> is because of the sin of the spies. Why? Because the sin of the spies caused the Jewish people to go down in spiritual level where Moshe did it and if he would build the temple it would get destroyed and it would not get destroyed and therefore the Jewish people would have to get destroyed Moshe had the opportunity to rectify that situation in this week's Pasha by the rock by sanctifying God's name which he would bring all the Jewish people up to part to the spiritual level they have to be at with Moshe but Moshe did not do that because of that again he could not go into the land of Israel because they were back in the same state as they were at the sin of the spies. Okay? So it's not because of the because he struck the rock and not speak and didn't speak to it. It's not because of that is he couldn't go into the land of Israel. It's because in that situation he passed up the opportunity to rectify the situation in a way he was not going to the land of Israel anyway because of the sin of the spies. Does that make sense? It's a little little complex. No, it does not make sense. And that's not complex. It's not complex. Okay, good. Mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> so let's continue then, okay? Let's continue then, Mark. Yeah? Now, the author from Kelm, in his book, the Chachmah Musar, discusses the sin of the, of the, of the, of the Memoriva, of this, of this rock in our Pasha. And he actually says the exact same explanation, but a little simpler than the Arachai Makadosh, and he doesn't quote him. Okay? He says like this. He says as follows. And I will write to you that which my heart feels as far as this matter is concerned. Skip a little bit. And he says like this. He says... He says that from here we learn a tremendous amount of... Uh, we learn a tremendous lesson from this whole situation. Therefore, I want to write this down, <coughs> says the author from Kelm, in order that people should learn what it means to do something for a congregation, what it means to do something for other people, what it means to volunteer for a group of people and to help them. Okay? That's the lesson that we learn. Because the true sanctification of God's name, the Torah requires, is through the knowledge of Hashem. Okay, is when one, the true sanctification of God's name happens 
when one provides something for a group of people, Jewishly speaking, right? When one does chesed with the congregation. He says like this, the matter of this Pasha is, who knows the, who knows the forces that are within our souls? Who knows our capability? Who knows what we truly can do? Who knows what lies beneath the surface of our personalities? Who knows what is in the reservoirs of our strength? Hashem knew that if Moshe would speak to the rock instead of hitting the rock, that the Jewish people would be influenced, they would be the, the, the impression that would be left on their faces would be different when he spoke to the rock as opposed to hitting the rock. Now here, we come to the answer to your question as follows. According to most estimates, there were two million, two to three million Jewish people that were in the camp that left Mitzrayim, that left Egypt en route to the land of Israel. Two million, you imagine what two million people is? Three million people? How many people live in the city of Tucson? I have no idea. Ezra. You know how many people live in the city of Tucson? 750,000? No, no. Can't be. How many people live in the city? I'm, I'm, doubting, I'm doubting you because the whole population of... Well, but let me just finish. Let me the whole population of Egypt was 1.8 million at the time of... It's not true. It's not true. Not according to Chazal. According to Chazal, there were 15 million Jews in Egypt. 15 million. The, the Nile 12 million of them died. 12 million of them that died. There was only 3 people that left. 3 million. It's a medrash. Okay. Whatever it is. Whatever it is. Okay, two million people. It's a huge amount of people. Two million, fine. You wanted 600,000, no problem. But the Torah says 600,000 men between the ages of 20 and 60. Right. What happened to all the women and the children? And the men before 20 and the men after 60. I'm not prepared to argue with you. I, I it, no, it's an explicit verse. It's an explicit verse. So then we have to deny the verse in the Torah. You want to deny something else? That's fine. The estimates you can deny, but the verse in the Torah we can't deny. So, so fine, whatever it is, 600,000 is a lot of people also. They're not, fitting into, they're not fitting into America West Arena, 600,000. Yeah. It's not happening. And that was worried about it for 600,000 people. They're not going to fit into Bank One Ballpark, I mean uh, Chase Field either. It's not happening. 40,000, 50,000 can fit into Chase Field, but 600,000 much more than that. 10 times the amount, right? So imagine, right? This is how many people, this is how many people Moshe Rabbeinu was walking together, taking his stroll through the desert. Now, you imagine the scene. We, need, we have an artist in the crowd here. We need an artist. Can you imagine the scene? Two million people gathered together, 600,000 people gathered together and stared at this rock while Moshe stood there with his staff. They're all standing there looking at the rock. Moshe makes a declaration. There's water going to come out of there. The guy, I'm sitting in the bleacher seats. My nose is bleeding. Right? I'm sitting in Japan because there's no room. I'm trying to see the rock with my, with my uh, binoculars. Moshe is standing there with the rock, right? Everybody's waiting for something to happen here. There's going to be enough water to, 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 to provide drink for all these people. It was an emotional situation, right? It was something that, uh, that leaves an impression. When you're together in a stadium with 30,000 people, it makes an impression. Even the most stupid happen. It's some of the silliest things happen. It leaves some kind of impression on us. Right? Just think they can see how many people were at the... Well, how many? 20,000 people in one place. 
in Madison Square Garden. 30,000 people, how many people? Right, so it makes a big impression on you when you're 30,000 people doing something. So here we have one person who's going to go and strike a rock or speak to the rock, right? So Hashem knows the difference between the impression that's made when you... What's the, what, what the, what's the impression that's going to be made? What's the impression? The impression that's going to be made is the Hashgacha protest. Hashem's watch over the world, Hashem's control of everything that happens. Hashem can make water come out of a rock. People are thirsty, Hashem can make water come out of the rock. That was the impression that was supposed to happen. And Hashem, right? Oh, wow, look at this. Hashem can make a miracle, right? Water come out of the rock. You see that He controls the situation. There's a specific watch on everything. So Hashem knows that there is going to be a difference in the impression that would be made. That if Moshe would speak to all these pe- to the rock in front of all these people, which is mar- a drop more miraculous than if you strike something, because when you strike something, it looks a little bit more like a cause and effect. There's a little bit, there's a minuscule, right? There's a fractional difference between speaking to this rock, performing the miracle in that way, and striking the rock, performing the miracle in that way. And Hashem knew, right? Hashem knew that there was going to be a difference in that. Therefore, Hashem gave the command. Therefore, Hashem gave the command that Moshe should speak to the rock instead of striking it. And if that would have been the case, if Moshe would have spoken to the rock, here he echoes the words of the Yorachai Makodesh. And he says that the Jewish people from that influence of spirituality would have been on such a high level that they, the Beis HaMikdash would have been, the temple would have never been destroyed when they went into the land of Israel. But what happened? Moshe didn't speak to the rock. He hit the rock instead. He hit the rock instead. Right? That left a minuscule detriment in their spiritual advancement. That detriment in the spiritual advancement eventually over the course of time allowed them to slip and to sin. And therefore Moshe could not go into the land of Israel with them because since they were going to sin in the future they would need atonement to be exiled out of the land of Israel to have the temple destroyed. But if Moshe would come with them to the land of Israel then he would build the temple and the temple would not be destroyed. That's what the, he says, like the Ohachim HaKadosh. Right? That little difference, that little difference, would have been all the difference. Why? Says the author from Kelm, because of the Pesach in Kahelis, in Ecclesiastes, chapter 10, verse 1. It says, Zvuve Moves, Yabish, Yabia Shemen Rokeach. The flies of death, Rashi explains, flies of death, flies, apparently die in the winter time. Is that correct? I'm going to have to second guess Rashi. Because then they get, they, get, they get weak and they die. But still, if they fall into, into oil that smells nice, they ruin it. They make it disgusting. Right? They make it rancid. Very good. Right? They make it rancid. Even, the die, they, they, even they have no more koyach. The flies have no more strength. They're going to die any minute. Right? But then they're small. And the, the oil smells very good and it's very uh, fragrant uh, oriented, right? Still, they can ruin the entire oil. Says the, says, says the, uh, the author from Kelm, what's the, what's the, uh, what is the um, parable? The parable is, is that we can do a small act. Sigh for good. Sigh for no good. We can do a small act and it can have gargantuan. It can have gargantuan ramifications. 
sort of like the butterfly effect. You know the butterfly effect? The fellow came over there, the butterfly fl- uh, flaps its wings, and on the other side it creates a tornado. On the other side of the world it creates a tornado. So we can do the smallest thing, smallest action when it comes to, be, to, 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 to acting with a congregation. Right? We could teach somebody a word of Torah and give them one class. We can say, say hello to them one morning. Right? We could do something that's of kindness, one little thing. And before we know it, the person can be in the yeshiva. We could be dancing at his, at his chasana, at his wedding. Right? Where he's getting married and has a, and has a, and has a commitment to, 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 to live a firm life and has children who he sends to yeshiva. And all of a sudden, we're responsible just because we taught this person a little Torah, because we did them a little chasana, for an entire family of keeping mitzvot and learning, and, and learning Torah and being part of a, a productive Jewish society. You never know what you can do. One small line action that it can have an influence on, 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 on the whole world. Right? It can build itself like the butterfly. It can make it a tornado, an avalanche. That can, that, that can build. The difference between hitting the rock and speaking to the rock was small. No difference. But the effect of the spiritual, in, 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 uh, uh, the, the spiritual impression that was made on a group of people, two million people standing in one place, trying to see what's going to happen. The minuscule became over time a gargantuan influence on their whole, their whole spirituality. This is the lesson that we learn. This is the lesson that we learn, that one act, one small little thing, can make the largest difference. And therefore, Moshe Rabbeinu cannot go into the land of Israel. Why? Because God sees everything. God sees the future. God sees everything that plays out. Hashem knows. Hashem knows, right, what's going to be. And therefore, Moshe can daven in Parshas Vayis Khan 515 tfilos, 515 uh, separate sessions of davening. And he can beg to come into the land of Israel. Hashem is not going to. Elect. Why? Because it's for the good of the Jewish people. Because if he goes in, for the reasons that we gave, then will, the Jewish people will not achieve atonement, will not be able to move through history as they are. And therefore, I said so. <coughs> Hashem says, I said so. You can't go into the land of Israel. That's the lesson that we learned. As always, a famous story uh, to illustrate this point, and it goes something like this. Baal Shem Tov used to, you know, some of us probably heard the story a few times, but it's good to say it over once in a while. The Baal Shem Tov used to travel from town to town and speak in different shuls, right? So the uh, so one Shabbos, one Shabbos, it said uh, Ora Torah is having a guest speaker, uh, you know, on Shabbos, coming, staying in town. The Baal Shem Tov. So the Baal Shem Tov comes. He's the the the, the founder of Hasidus. The Baal Shem Tov comes to town and he comes to Shul and he, he starts to speak and uh, he faints in the middle of the speech, faints in the middle of the speech. So, uh, so they, they revive the Baal Shem Tov. They say, why did you faint? So he says, uh, let me tell you a story. I'll illustrate it with a story. I'll illustrate it with a story. Once upon a time there were two, two friends, Ruben and Shimon. There were two friends, Ruvain and Shimon. Um, if I remember correctly, Ruvain. Ruvain was very rich and Shimon was very poor. So Shimon came to Ruvain for a loan. He said, Ruvain, do me a favor, loan me money so I could start a business. So 
Ruvain Ruvain lent Shimon money right uh, and Shimon uh, got back on his feet rejuvenated his business and made a lot of money rejuvenated his business made a lot of money and then Ruvain became poor so Ruvain came to Shimon for, uh, to, to, to ask him to help him out and Shimon said look you know I'd love to help you but uh, right now my uh, liquid assets are tied up I, uh, the bank account that is, you know, it's just not going to work out I'm sorry I can't, I can't, uh, I can't help you Market's down. Yeah, market's down, whatever it is, right? I gave it the office, whatever it is, right? So I can't, I can't, uh, I can't, I can't help, I can't help you. I can't help you. So that's, that's what Shimon said. But then, the tables turned around. And Shimon became poor again. And Ruvain became, Ruvain became rich. So Shimon came to Ruvain for help. And Ruvain said, sure, Shimon, my friend, of course I'll help you. He gives him a loan, gives him money. And again, Again, Shimon becomes rich and Ruvain becomes poor. Again, it happens. <coughs> so Ruvain comes to Shimon for help. Again, and Shimon says, I'm "Sorry, I can't help you. The market is uh, what? The market's down. The market's down. Interest rates are up. Uh, my liquid assets are tied up. I, just, I, I can't help you. Right? So then it doesn't help. And then they both die." Both Ruben and Shimon pass on. They have a Leviah. Admeveh Sushana. That's the end of their life. So they come to the Shemayim. They come to the Shemayim. Both Ruben and Shimon. And uh, they make a declaration in Shemayim. Ruben, Ruben, you go to Olam Ruben, you have merited a portion in the world to come. You, straight up there, because you were kind. You always helped your friends out. Right? You, 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 you were considerate. Um, you were willing to give of yourself. Even when it was difficult, and you did it because of that, you'll be zeichet You married to go to the world to come. Shimon is not going to Olmabo. Because Shimon, when he had the opportunity to do chesed to help his friends, he did not. And so therefore Shimon is not going to Olmabo. End of story. That's the, that's the decision of the court. So Ruvain says, I am not going without my friend Shimon. I refuse to go to Olmabo without my friend Shimon. I'm not going. So there's a commotion that builds up in the uh, in the in the in the in the court, and they they, they say to Ruben, "Look, Ruben, you know, uh, you don't the one. You're not the one who makes the decisions around here. You you you, you don't work over here. You just uh, you have to accept what the judgment is." So Ruben says, "I'm not going without my friend Shimon. Either he goes with me, or I'm not going at all. I'll go with him." So they finally they, 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 they bring up the situation in front of the uh, in front of the Shalom, in front of the master of the universe, and the master of the universe says, "Okay, you know what we're going to do? We're going to bring back Shimon and Ruvain back to life, and Shimon is going to be a tremendously wealthy, tremendously wealthy man. Ruvain is going to be very very poor, right? And Ruvain is going to one time in his life come to ask Shimon for for a penny. He's going to come and ask him for money, and." He's going to come and ask him for money. And if Shimon gives him the penny, he can go to Omabor. But if he doesn't give him the penny, if he doesn't give him the penny, then he has to, then he can't go to Omabor. Everybody agrees on the deal. And Kachav, that's the way it was. Both Reuven and Shimon are born again. They don't know each other. They're born on the other side of the world. Shimon is fabulously wealthy, a tremendously wealthy person. He built himself a palace on an island with a big staircase that goes up to the palace with a door that opens up forward 
so that he can slam it out in case somebody comes to collect money so the guy can come flying down the stairs, right? And he gets himself a, a, a butler and all the jet plane, whatever, everything, right? On top of the mountain, on top of uh, Squaw Peak, he has himself a, a, a palace. Piesto Peak. Peak, right? <laughs> Along the Piesto Parkway. So, 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 so Shimon, so Shimon, uh, Shimon, uh, Shimon, uh, I mean, Ruvain is born a tremendously poor person, very poor, extremely, uh, um, I mean, not a penny to his name, is to be on Medicaid and, 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 and uh, health care, what is the, the called them food stamps and the Section 8 and the, the whole business. What, what else is there? Were the, you know, a government uh, soup kitchen. has to go from soup kitchen to St. Mary's soup kitchen. He can't help it. What can he do? Tremendously poor. Until one day he says to himself, that's it, I've had it. I'm going to go into a car. I'm going to turn on the gas. And that's it. Life is not worth living. So his friends say, why don't you go ask, ask, uh, ask somebody for money? So he says, I've asked already everybody and nobody gives me. <coughs> so they, they, his friends say to him, go, there's a person by the name of Ruvain who lives on top of Piesta with Peak. Go ask him for money. Shimon. I said, there's a person by the name of Shimon. Lives on top of Piesta with Peak. Go ask him for money. He says, oh, it's the Shimon. He never gives any money. He's stingy. So they said, what? Uh, what's the worst that can happen? He could say, no. It's worth it to go and try. So he comes, he comes to the, he, he goes, uh, crosses, uh, from downtown, and he walks to the, across the Piesta Parkway, goes up the stairs to the, to, the, to the house, and knocks on the door. Butler opens up the door, and uh, he says, what do you want? So, uh, um, Ruvain says, Ruvain says, I want, uh, I want uh, a penny. And as he says that, as the words come out of his mouth, he thinks to himself, like, I, I can't believe I said that. I can't believe I said a penny, I should have asked for a hundred bucks. Where am I, why am I asking for a penny? And as Ruben asks the question, Shimon walks by behind the butler. And he overhears and stops in his track. And he says to himself, he walks up to the door and he says, the butler, he says, go, go, go to the kitchen. He says, and he says to, 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 uh, to Ruben, he says, what did you want? You, you want a penny? He says, yeah, I want uh, a, a penny. I want a penny. So Shimon, Shimon says to himself, she was just a, a penny, a penny. All of a sudden, an internal turmoil develops in, in Shimon, inside Shimon. He says, "A penny? Well, I've never given money in my life, but he's only asking for a penny. A penny's not a big deal. Well, I, I, I can do that. What should I do? Should I give him the penny? Should I give him the penny? Should I not give him the penny?" And then finally, he decides not to give him the penny. He slams the door and it goes out, and and uh, Reuven falls down the stairs and dies. As the Balshemtev is telling over the story in the show, a man in the crowd faints. A man in the crowd faints, and they 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 they, they pick him up, they revive him, and uh, he stands up and he and he and, he, and they say, "What's going on?" And as soon as he wakes up, he's, he screams out, he screams out, "Ruvain! If I would have known that it was you, I would have given you the penny." That's the story. So, the we learn from this. We learn from the story. You see that we don't ever know. We never know. There could be one action. Could be one thing that we do in our entire lives that we were that, that we besides the fact that an action has an influence upon uh, upon people and can grow. 
and, it, and, 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 and be a tremendous chesed. But, also, there's, when we do something, when we do something, we never know. It could be the smallest action that we do. It could be that's the reason why Hashem put us on the earth. could be that because of this, because of this penny, because of this particular action, is the reason why. Is the reason why we were created, the reason why we live our entire lives. We never know that how much we can influence somebody, how much an effect we can have on a person with one, one small action. This point, is, this point is further illustrated in many other different sources. For example, as I, I think that we have mentioned before, at the end of uh, Tractate Makos, we know the famous Mishnah that says, um, Mishnah on page 23b in Makos, Mishnah says, Rebbe ben Akasha Oimer, Hashem wanted to create merit for the Jewish people. Therefore, He gave them a lot of Torah and a lot of mitzvahs. Shinema, as it says in the Pasuk, in Yeshaya, Hashem Hashem wanted in order to make His people righteous. Therefore, He made the Torah great. So the commentary of the Ramban, the Rambam, on this Mishnah says that as soon as a person does one mitzvah, one mitzvah, with the purest of intent, with the proper focus, for the sake of the mitzvah, then he will merit to go to the world to come. That's what the Ramam says. So the Ramam says, but it's not always possible, because life happens. You know, we're distracted by all kinds of things. We're distracted by our jobs, by our family, by our situations. We, we, know we don't always do everything properly. It doesn't always happen in the proper way. Right? doesn't always happen the proper way. So therefore Hashem gave us a myriad, so many mitzvahs, that one time in our life, out of the 613 mitzvahs that we continuously perform, one time, we will have proper focus, we will do the proper thing, we'll have the proper intent, we'll do it for the sake of that mitzvah, for the sake of that one thing. So you see from the Rambam, here's another illustration. Here's another illustration that if we, that sometimes we never know what one mitzvah, what one action can do to change people's lives and to change our own lives. That's the lesson that we learned from this week's Pasha. That's the lesson that we, um, that's the lesson that we learned from Moshe Rabbeinu. That, yes, it's a minuscule difference between striking the rock and speaking to the rock. Yes, it's true. It's a minuscule difference. But we never know what can happen if we do things properly. What kind of, what kind of influence, what kind of impact what kind of snowball effect it can have on us and the world around us. That's, uh, I think we can continue talking about this further, but I, I think we're at this point out of time. So we're going to conclude right here. And uh, everybody have a good chance.